You know, I've done my homework to a degree. Like, I, 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 can, I respect wrestling and I respect the stuff that you tell me. It's never been my thing, but I can at least go that far. And stuff does stick with me. Yeah. So that's a lot from a non-fan. At least I think it's a lot from a non-fan. Yeah. And like every time you, sh- you share something with me, I- I've watched it. I've watched it all the way through in good faith. And, and generally speaking, I've enjoyed what I've watched. Yeah. Uh, on my birthday, I think I showed you Escalera de la Muerte. You did. And that was fun. Yeah. It was a lot young, of fun. Young, young Bucks versus uh, Lucha Bros. A lot of fighting with, with ladders. There was a lot of fighting with ladders. A lot of climbing ladders and, and weak-ass grabs trying to get the belt. Yeah. You, you got to... <laughs> Got to pat it out, you know. I understand. You got to pat out. Got to pat out the match. Important. Yeah. I think, um, and I will say this with with all honesty here, because I've trained in martial arts for years, it's, I have to turn that part of my brain off that goes, "They're not keeping their hands up." Yeah. They're not. No, that would never. What? <laughs> and it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I'm not someone who watches kickboxing either. So, like, you know, I don't take. But much I don't derive. I, I I think I would prefer wrestling just because of the the pageantry of it. Yeah, the, spectac- um, the spectacle is more important to me. So, and all, everyone always says like the oh it's a male soap opera thing, and I've I've never really agreed with that. Um, and not in like a in, not in like a macho way. I just don't think it's an apt comparison. Well, um, is is it less? Is it more the soap opera or more the fact that it's um considered a male thing? Because like. Anybody can enjoy wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling is not a dude. It's not just a dude thing. Uh, it is a hundred percent. Not just a dude thing. Yeah. But like uh, it, it gets, it's been called like over and over again, a male soap opera. And like, to me, wrestling is always been more like, I think it has more roots. Well, it's become more in the modern sense, more like, like superhero fantasy. <laughs> Mm, I think that 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 tracks. That honestly tracks. I can see that. I mean, considering um, considering it can it can get really like it can get really ridiculous, but then less ridiculous. I've seen you know I've seen and heard bits you know storylines about you know all kinds of nonsense, including supernatural powers and and whatnot. We just watched. Um, Kayla and I just watched not long ago the uh, the Baywatch episode or the review of the Baywatch episode that tied in with uh, Hulk Hogan and. Uh, um, Oh my gosh, who I can't remember who he was up against. It was the Bash at the Beach. It was well, it wasn't versus. <laughs> Kayla just yelled at me from off off mic that uh, it was it was it was he and Macho Man and they were tag teaming. Um, oh my god, I can't remember who, but uh, it was Bash at the Beach was the name of it, and they had a okay. whole Baywatch episode that tied in with it. I of course know exactly what you're fucking talking about. I figured you would, as, and, uh, and I watched wrestling. a little bit. I watched a little bit deeper into it, but I cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of the people they were competing uh, it against. Was, it was Hogan and Vader, as well as Randy Savage and Ric Flair. That's what it was. But uh, Vader and Ric Flair, what was the name of their, like, their, like, group at that time? Because they had a name. It was, like, the Dungeon something. Um, I don't think they were part of the Dungeon of Doom. I heard, I mean, what I, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, this is me being misinformed, but I thought they kept referring to them as being connected with the Dungeon of Doom. And then they showed clips of the Dungeon of Doom, like, holy shit, there's candles, there's face paint, there's a literal dungeon with fog. This is amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, the Dungeon of Doom is widely considered 
the worst stable in pro wrestling history. I... Um, <laughs> um, it was a stable that was created entirely just to get Hulk Hogan over and give him people to beat. Oh, okay. So as he would beat members of the Dungeon of Doom, they'd keep like uh, adding more members and like. I'll show you some clips later, but this was where we got the Yeti. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. He was called the Yeti, but oh, more accurately, he was called the Yeti. The Yeti. Um, so they were teasing the arrival of the Yeti, and when the Yeti comes out, it was just like an enormous dude wrapped up in bandages like a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> and his finisher seemed to be like, pressing himself against you and wiggling. (laughs) Like it was supposed to be a bear hug, but I've seen a good bear hug. I can do a good bear hug, and it's the worst thing ever. Um, (laughs) I mean, it tracks about as well as anything else I've seen in some of the more absurd bits of uh, professional wrestling. So The Yeti debuted at the same wrestling event where... uh, before their match against each other, Hulk Hogan and uh, the Giant uh, had a duel in monster trucks. <laughs> okay. And there was a big monster truck arena on top on top of a building, and the they were they just ran the monster trucks into each other and kind of pushed each other around the arena. And there was like no like rules. <laughs> <laughs> it was a no holds barred monster. So it was truck. just monster trucks pushing each other around. <laughs> So then they got out of the monster trucks and started fighting on the roof. And huh. Hogan Hogan tosses the giant off of the roof of the building. And then they have the and then it cuts back to the arena and they have their match with no explanation. <laughs> they just got for there. The giant, for how the giant isn't fucking dead or even looks remotely injured. <laughs> Cause he just got tossed off a goddamn roof. <laughs> he used his bonus action to teleport. <laughs> It must have been what happened, or he had a feather token. <laughs> no, we can we can watch that. We can. I'll I'll show you that later. It's, that sounds uh, good. It's some pretty glorious <laughs> stupidity. I'm I am so down to to see this. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we we have a, a service to perform to our uh, to all our listener listeners listeners. Where am I? Listeners. <laughs> our listeners in podcast rand, <laughs> and in the Ayn Rand of podcasts. Welcome one and all, to Undercooked Analysis. We are here to read for you a story of mystery, suspense, and horror submitted to us by an intrepid listener and put it to the usual dumb scrutiny that me, Alan, and a smorgasbord of guests often do. Sometimes it is just me. Sometimes it is just Alan. Sometimes it's neither of us and a bunch of other people entirely. Although I think rarely has there been if I look back through the whole roster, I don't know if there's ever been an episode that has been bereft of both of us. I don't think so. No, at least not recently. Hmm. hmm. Well, that being said, though, uh, normally Kayla would be here, but per the rules of um, undercooked analysis, the author of the story cannot be present with us when we read the story. And guess what? Kayla has given us something of hers to read. We're going to talk mad shit on her. You know we are. It's my, <laughs> it's my duty as a loving husband to do that. Yes. <laughs> I bet it's going to suck. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I know that's my job, 
because you know i have to but like what's prompting this from you huh this particular angle um uh the bit oh okay the bit okay good thank you (laughs) (laughs) hey fave what's that anyway uh... (laughs) bro bro (laughs) no that's right everything that happens on this show is real yeah (laughs) we're gonna talk trash but we're gonna put her over at the end (laughs) okay good (laughs) we are the dungeon of doom for kayla (laughs) <laughs> that makes Kayla Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it means I married Hulk Hogan. <laughs> new, new, new head cannon, everyone. David King married Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I just want people to picture Kayla's voice from now on coming out of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> to be fair, I would. Well, maybe not. Not at this stage. When is when is your sex when is yours and her sex tape gonna come out where she says a bunch of racist stuff for no reason? <laughs> I was about to say, well, I was about to I'd I'd almost forgotten that that happened and then it happened. I'm like, mm, okay, maybe we shouldn't associate my wife with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> um what we are reading. If you though, if you haven't seen that sex tape. It, I'm sure you haven't. <laughs> I, I I haven't. Why would I? Um, it's worth a watch because uh, it is the least sexy thing that has ever happened. Well, then there's no reason to watch it then, right? Like, usually um, you watch a sex tape because it's sexy. No, but it is so comically the polar opposite of sexy. Like, if he it, keeps talking about how full he is of sushi and burping. You. <laughs> <laughs> <Ew. laughs> yeah but i feel like that would cause that would cause like an like a boner so inverse like i don't yes. care what you'd you be have an, you'd, be an, you'd be an any <laughs> your 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 genitals will retreat for into you or further into you as the case may be well, um, now, at least now kayla will know what it's like <laughs> when, uh, just to hear two just idiots talk about bullshit before <laughs> 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 sorry <laughs> Hey, hey, she she knew what she was getting into when she submitted this. Like, come on, like she. I mean, I mean, uh, she and I started this show, so yeah. it's only fair that she gets her she gets an opportunity to submit her own work here. Then again, we also did read her story on that that one that one time about the ventriloquist dummy. So true. That was and that was fun. That was really fun. Yeah. Well, well, Kayla, <laughs> when, when when it comes crashing down, and it hurts inside. <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna chime along but then i realized the uh the, the delay was gonna be an issue so um oh and i will uh just to, to address uh the elephant in the room hi mr elephant <laughs> um, okay well, that, well that's out of the way <laughs> yeah yeah uh we will be uh, we are act- this is this is our, basically a filler while we continue to read and judge the entries for our. I mean, I don't want to say that this. Uh, I don't want to say that this is like, oh, we're just doing this because filler. But you know, we yeah. fully intend. Yeah, this, epi- this episode doesn't matter. This ep- <laughs> everything is made up, and the jokes. This don't is not. Matter. This episode is not canon. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a clip show, as it turns out. Yeah. The rest of the episode is going to be. We will read the story, but instead of making the jokes, we will cut in clips of us making other jokes from other episodes of UCA, which would be this really gonna- weird. 
because sometimes you'll hear like little bits of like Abysme and Sade and Paprika and uh, and, and Ben yeah. and even Kayla. There's actually, weirdly enough, going to be a reveal at the end of this episode that all of this was a dream. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I hope no one's going to feel too ripped off about that. Yeah. Uh, what I was trying to say, though, is the uh, the Creepy Cooking Staff writing challenge. We are we will address when that is going to come out uh, at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. Yeah. But the story we are reading is called The Disappearance of Sweet Carrie Jo Malone. And uh, it seems to be framed as a blog post. Kayla didn't tell me too much about this. Uh, she just said that uh, there's there's a bit of a mystery involved, and she wants to see if we can figure it out or at least talk about it. Yeah. So... Let's see how it goes. So this is blog post number 47, The Disappearance of Sweet Carrie Jo Malone. Uh, 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 Hello, (laughs) fellow snoops. It is I, your curator of unsolved cases, bringing you another mystery to add to the books. At first glance, this seems like a simple story about a young woman who went missing after a night at the movies. I have written plenty about stranger and better known disappearances from Amelia Earhart to Jimmy Hoffa. This mystery barely holds a candle to the fiery notoriety of those. However, I came across a recent development in this specific case, which seems to drum up more questions than answers. So I wanted to delve further into what exactly happened. Hello, fellow snoops. Just makes me think that this is being written by Nancy Drew. Yes. Which I am all here for. Um, Yeah, good start. Yeah. Uh, You know what's funny is like, Whenever I see the name Jimmy Hoffa, I completely disassociate it from who it's from, and I go, Jimmy Hoffa is a funny name. <laughs> it is a funny name. It is. Uh, you can tell that they, we, are, we are on our A game tonight, folks. You just, you just realize it. The year is 1960. Shiny conservative America was starting to fade, but had not yet fallen into the full swing of counterculture, despite it being summer, with kids, with kids free to roam around the small town of Vila, California, 30 miles outside of Chico, things remained slow and quiet at the Lamplight Movie Theater on the evening of July 26th. 18-year-old Carrie Jo Malone stepped up to a ticket booth, surprising Frank Piles, a 16-year-old ticket taker. That is an unfortunate last name. It is. <laughs> Piles lived in Vila all of his life, just as most of the town of only 1,000 had. He did not recognize Malone at all, not even as one of his classmates. When interviewed by the local newspaper, Piles described Malone as a striking beauty with quaffed red hair and a well-fitted baby blue dress. He claimed he could never forget someone as lovely as her. She used to like 50 mu- 50s music in the background here, even though, it, yeah, actually that would be totally fit for 1960. Yeah. Uh, future David, if you have enough time, well, maybe not. Actually, don't worry about it. That, don't, we don't, don't, wanna... give, don't give future David too much work. Yeah, I should probably give him a break. I just really wanted him to play. Uh, you know, life could be a dream. Shaboom, shaboom. But uh, I'll, I'll let him. I'll let him. I'll let him. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not even going to call. I'm not even going to call a play six underground on this episode. Wow, that's actually really generous of you, and I'm sure future David will will appreciate that. Good. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. You should. Read. That, oh, oh, it's yeah, That's right. It's my paragraph. <laughs> 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 I was too busy thinking about what future David would think. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Malone asked to see the double bill screening of 13 Ghosts and the, electric mon- the Electronic Monster. Further astounding piles. The two films have been out for a few weeks now, wearing out its welcome. Uh, 
we probably should be wearing out their welcome, but that's okay. According yeah. to Piles, Malone was the only one who bought a ticket for the late night showing. For those who don't know, I refuse to say too young to know because we now live in the age of the internet and young people know a hell of a lot more than boomers and Generation X give us credit for. Sick bird! Air horns, air <laughs> horn <laughs> noises. <laughs> We're providing our own editing yes. this episode yes. in real time. This is, a, this is a live episode. This is <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going to be amazing is if anyone is listening to the choice dregs for this one maybe a week from now because we release them every other week uh i will say it took us a bit to get into into the groove of this one we had to do some sad libs before <laughs> yeah but uh Thir- glad we're here now 13 ghosts was directed by william castle who was known for adding gimmicks to his films this one being no exception brave filmgoers were given a pair of special Illusiono glasses, which allowed them to see the titular 13 ghosts on the screen. It was a cute 3D trick, one that entertained audiences at the time. Of course, some viewers forego the glasses, too scared to take the risk. Malone was one of the brave ones. Dun, dun, dun. I can see that. Have you seen 13 Ghosts? The, the original 13 Ghosts? Uh, I have. I've seen a lot of the uh, gimmicky William Castle movies. Uh, he also did The Tingler. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, uh, I think he did House on Haunted Hill. I think he did do House on Haunted Hill. That's probably his best known one. Um, yeah, because that was the one where, where the, the, the skeleton would, someone would try and put a skeleton on a wire and, and run it over the audience. Yes. Because man, did he um, love those, that shit. Yeah. No, he, he loved, he loved that dumb gimmick stuff. <laughs> I, I, I love it too. Oh Yeah. Um, actually, I had a really good, uh, Kayla and I, a few, a couple Halloweens ago, had a really good experience with 13 Ghosts, because we got to see it at the supposedly haunted Bob Baker Marionette Theater, um, and we, they gave us the 3D glasses to watch it with. It was really cool. Uh, yeah, The Tingler was, uh, another one that was, uh, what was it called? What was it called? I know, I, uh, Percepto! It was called Percepto. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. and the, the tingler is a parasite that like grows on your spine or something. That's right. And, and eventually just breaks your spine completely from, f- it's fed by fear. Right. If I remember is, is how the parasite works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, you calm, you stop it from feeding by screaming. That's right. Um, so there's a point in the movie where like the screen goes black and it's like, Oh no, the tinkler is in the theater. If you feel something on your back, scream, scream for your lives. And there were like little vibrating things in people's chairs. That's right. So they felt like a buzz on their back. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a moderate, like you feel that kind of thing worked its way into a lot of those like 4d theaters when you like at theme parks. Yep. Which is kind of, kind of awesome. <laughs> William no, Castle is pretty rad. I, I love it. I love. It. I, I I have mad respect for William Castle just for for doing shit like that, trying to make it more immersive. Yep. Uh, so uh, Malone bought a small bag of popcorn from Lewis Harding, who was managing the concession stand, and then was guided to her seat by the usher George Smith. These young men, along with Piles and the elderly film projectionist Harry Sylvester, were the only employees working at the Lamplight that night. No one else bought a ticket to see a movie. Malone sat all by herself in the theater. And I just want to add that, like, so many of the, like, terrible movies in theaters, theaters lately. Hmm? Oh, Alan, so you... many. 
Oh, there what? you go. But you got really quiet for a second. Oh, I, 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 might, I might have just been mumbling. <laughs> oh, okay. No, um, I think it sounded like you pulled away from the mic and way off in the distance. I could hear you. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of uh, modern movies, modern terrible movies would be improved if they just flung a skeleton at you every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I would certainly approve of that. <laughs> but in, install skeleton cannons into your theaters, you cowards. <laughs> Welcome to... Welcome to the new Batman movie. Here's his parents. <laughs> Could you imagine a theater specifically was uh, built for something like that? But um, it could, you could load different things in. Imagine going to like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. With, that would be just, pretty cool. A toast and there's can- guns that just projectile fire toast at you. <laughs> I'd love it. It rains when it actually rains. Um, going you know, a production of the room they drop a bunch of like a bunch of automated system drop spoons on you i think i think we i think we found the business we're going to go into once this pandemic pandemic's over perfect you know because yeah. there's going to be there's going to be a lot of need for people to you know there's going to we're going to need gimmicks to get people back in the movie theaters you know yeah yeah and what better gimmick than just like just firing a skeleton at right <laughs> <laughs> at point blank range <laughs> <laughs> nope. Noted podcast idiots David King and Alan Cheney <laughs> unveiled the latest invention that's bringing people back to the theaters: the skeleton catapult. <laughs> <laughs> Where will it land? Who knows? But you know, maybe if you you'll be great as you use it as a deterrent as well. Like yeah. you see someone talking on their cell phone, you just straight up fire a skeleton directly at their face. <laughs> yes. Uh oh! Looks like someone's trying to pirate our movie. <laughs> <laughs> pirate this! The, you, you get the footage later. There's the movie. Suddenly, just a skeleton streaks right into the camera. <laughs> 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 I can see that going viral. <laughs> <laughs> I keep imagining it. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> here's this. Someone's at the. Someone's at like I don't know. Um, someone's at like uh, the next Batman movie. They got their phone out. They start trying to pirate the movie. You see it from that perspective. The movie's kind of blurry, but you can see it. Literally, a blurry skeleton skull just flies out of nowhere right into the camera. Camera goes <laughs> flying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should probably keep reading you probably should there's it's this this one it's not i will say this much it's not very long um and that's a good thing but it's 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 weighty enough that i think it's gonna be good and by the way i i should say despite the dumb jokes i'm i'm feeling this i'm actually yeah, i am sure. i'm interested in where this is going because it is kind of interesting like this is definitely written with like um like that that good like i'm gonna keep you engaged as a reader vibe this this could be like you know like the, the, the it, it's it on has, point it does like have that very genuine like blog internet feel i could feel this being like a uh like a ne- like a nexpo video like a buzzfeed no BuzzFeed. not buzzfeed but like, <laughs> like, like uh yeah like i said like nexpo or rainbot something like that oh yeah like someone who's like looking into stuff like like, uh, like a true crime Kind of, yeah. Unsolved mystery. Can you see Jonathan Frakes reading this? <laughs> Not in your life. It. Nope. Nope. 
It, ne- it never happened. <laughs> I'm innocent. I'm innocent. <laughs> uh, I think it's your paragraph, so. The younger employees heard bouts of screams from Malone through the night, which did not surprise them in horror films. It was not until after the show's ending, when Harding stepped into the theater to clean the aisles, that he noticed that Malone was nowhere to be found. None of the employees saw her leave the building. Harding assumed she probably left through the emergency door next to the screen until he found a few items left behind near a middle row seat. A dropped half bag of popcorn. Half full bag, not half of a bag of popcorn. It wasn't like split this is, down the middle. It could have been a half empty bag of popcorn, but this is an optimistic case. Right. This is an optimistic missing person. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to hope for the best for Sweet Carrie Joe. Yeah. Um, a dropped half full bag of popcorn, a wicker purse, and strangest of all, a pair of size seven penny loafers. Harding and the other employees checked the parking lot in a black 1957 Volkswagen Beetle, Beetle which was later confirmed to belong to Miss Malone. I think I've, that was supposed to be, and found. Probably, but again, yeah. this is a, this is a first, uh, I mean, Kayla informed me this is a first draft, and I totally get that, but this is a, this is really, this is solid. This is really solid so far. I, I love the little details. It's the little details that work for me with this. Like, this yeah. is cool. Uh, do you mind if I take, the, this one's uh, technically its own paragraph, but do you mind if I take the, the next couple? Uh, no. Okay. I, I'm, I'm up, I will be upset if you do. All right. Carrie Jo Malone had officially gone missing. Your turn, Alan. No, go ahead. Okay. Because <laughs> you're so fucking insistent. <laughs> the, t- <laughs> the town's police arrived a few hours later, doing a basic search of both the building and parking lot, questioning all the employees, especially Sylvester, since he was working in the projection booth right above the theater that Malone sat in, and would have been the one to have seen her leave. Sylvester claimed that he was too focused on his work to pay heed to Malone's whereabouts, but his slurred speech, along with a spotty empty bo- spotted empty bottle of whiskey next to the projector, informed the police that his memory would have served as faulty evidence anyway. What is it, you know, that doesn't surprise me that much. I feel like when if you're working as a projectionist in a place like this, you would just, I, I feel like that's a trope. And it's not, not a cliche, a trope. So it totally yeah. works. Yeah, let's project some crap. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've seen. The, how many times have I seen thirteen ghosts? Lower up the skeleton cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? Could you imagine a drug projectionist trying to pilot the skeleton during like the the the, the house on Haunted Hill? <laughs> <laughs> Someday this is going to be a skeleton cannon, but for now it's a skeleton fishing line. Yeah, gonna get you. Here comes the uh, skeleton. I'm fishing for dipshits with my skeleton. <laughs> I, 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 you know, there's there's a law of comedy here, and, I, and to me, I th- I'm just gonna put this out right there, there right now. I think skeletons make everything funnier. Yeah. If it's like, I, yeah, yeah. There's just. I, I'm not even gonna try to dispute that. Thank you. I, it's, you know, and my intuition just says that, and I, I say it sometimes. I don't often think about it. Like I just blurt it out, like it's a fact. But I think that's. I think that's a a pretty. I, I think that's a pretty truth that's universally accepted skeletons just make everything funnier right yeah anyway a hundred percent of the funniest people on this planet have skeletons (laughs) (laughs) at some point the a hundred percent of the people on this funniest people on this planet will eventually retire from uh skin in general and just be skeletons yeah i think that's i think it's a good career move yeah 
<laughs> you ultimately evolve into the funniest possible you, which is a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? The comedian is evolving. Do, 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 do. Congratulations, your comedian evolved into skeleton. <laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> This dark joke brought to you by Undercooked Analysis. Uh, The police emptied out her purse and found a wallet containing $22, Malone's license, and photos of her with family and her best friend, Ruth Houghton, Houghton, Houghton Naismith. Two sets of keys, a pair of reading glasses, lipstick, a few pens, and a ticket stub from that evening's showing. They found that one of the keys opened the VW bug outside, and the other set of keys were for a room at the local inn, which Malone had booked just before she headed over to the lamplight. When they searched the room later, the police spotted multiple suitcases, filled to the brim with Malone's clothes and personal belongings. She she had prepared to be traveling for months. Hmm. Hmm. The plot thickens. The police then called Malone's address on her license and were answered by her mother, Maybell, uh, Maybell Malone. She admitted that Carrie Joe had gone missing a few days before, confirming that she most likely ran away from home right after a fight she had with her father, William. I was surprised that my sweet baby girl would run away like that, Maybell told the police. Journalists took to calling Malone, sweet Carrie Joe. Ba, ba, ba. Very good. <laughs> after Maybell's comment, leading everyone to call her by this moniker. Maybell continued. Carrie Jo is such a beautiful woman, catching all the men's attention, but she's still a good student and has always been helpful around the house. Her father and her rarely fought before this. Okay, I have to step in here because I call bullshit. This is this is story still. This is not me weighing in. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I can hear this in Kayla's Kayla's voice, and it's beautiful. Okay, I have to step in here because I call. I cannot imagine a young adult woman running away with all her personal belongings after just one fight. Based on research, Carrie Jo wasn't known for being impulsive. Actually, she seemed to be a more introverted, nerdy type. She had outstanding grades in high school and was more likely to be found at the movies with her friend Ruth or studying at the library. My guess is that she and her father probably argued a lot more than what her mother states. Yeah, this is a case of, like, uh, the parents are fucking lying. Yeah. Anyway, the Malones believe that Carrie Jo was on her way to see Ruth, since Ruth and her family moved to Reading a year prior to be closer to family. When Ruth's family was questioned later, they knew nothing about Carrie Jo's disappearance or possible plans to visit them. Ruth never mentioned Carrie Jo driving up, Ruth's mother Liza stated. In fact, Ruth and I were at home the day Carrie Jo was discovered missing. She cleaned her room while I cleaned the living room and then prepared for my husband, who was at work all day at the construction site. Never once did she bring up Carrie Joe's name. Hmm. Interestingly enough, Ruth was never questioned by the police or any of the newspapers. This could be because she was 17 and a minor at the time. But then again, it could be because the police found no reason to question her. Since then, amateur sleuths and theorists focused more on her odd disappearance, occasionally citing possible supernatural occurrences, like being abducted by aliens. <laughs> they always go there. I'm not going to encourage that silly thinking here on this blog, but I will say that how she disappeared is abnormal. How did she leave the movie theater without anyone taking notice of her? Why would she leave her shoes? How far could she have gone without her purse and car? Where did she go? Well, well, 
Where did she go? Well, luckily, that's a new paragraph, so it's fine. I'm just being... <laughs> we haven't had a Jera symptom in, in, in this story. It's not a Jera symptom. I am no. reaching for a Jera symptom. Well, luckily, Malone's story resurfaced this week in the news, finally finding another piece in the strange puzzle. However, this piece will probably raise more eyebrows than answers. They found a skeleton cannon in the theater. <laughs> During demolition of an old building in Chico, construction workers found what appeared to be a corpse with slips of dried skin still clinging to its bones. Ah! Yes, the story's a comedy now. <laughs> Spooky, scary skeletons. Under the concrete floor. <laughs> Under Pieces the of a... concrete floor. Do, do, do. Pieces of a familiar baby blue dress, now dirtied and threadbare hung from the arms, held above its head. Whatever hair may have been left was ripped out by the concrete itself. Forensic scientists were able to confirm this corpse as Carrie Jo Malone, dead from suffocation. Holy shit. Someone concreted her under a floor? Looks like it. Yikes. This still does not answer many of the questions stated earlier, and even raises more. How did she end up under concrete around ground in Chico? How did she even get to Chico with no shoes or purse? Was it accidental or perhaps something more sinister? If it wasn't accidental, who would want to kill sweet Carrie Jo? Please leave your comments and theories in the discussion. Let me know what you think may have happened. Until then, happy sleeping. Thank you, Nancy Drew. Okay. Wow. Got grim really fast at the end. I, did, I wasn't necessarily expecting there to be a corpse. Yeah. Damn. You can ignore did, that crinkling. It's nothing. I'll, what? Ignore that crinkling. It's nothing. But I... I you drew attention to it, or I wouldn't have... Uh, and, and, never mind. All right, show's over, folks. Nothing to see here. Uh, no. Um, hmm. Oh, man. You know, you know, the first thing I can say about the story is it leaves me wanting. Wanting more! Yes. More! I wonder... And I, but, I, I, but that's the good thing, because we, we're not going to get more. I mean, we could in revision, but we know it's important. Hmm. Um, mm. I think I think the sense of I think the sense of the lingering mystery is what makes it um, is definitely what makes it satisfying and I and I dig that because then you have to because now I gotta wonder so so I want to put the pieces together to see if we can figure put a couple of hypotheses maybe because like first thing I noticed was that uh, uh, her friend her friend's dad was coming home from a construction site oh oh that's a good point. And yeah, that would make, uh, yeah, someone who would know, oh shit, but why would he, hmm, let me, let me go back through here. So she mostly hung around with, well, that is, I mean, she probably got in a fight and left, but whoever it was, let's, okay, let's, let's presume that it was uh, Ruth's dad. Let's, let's just, let's make him suspect numero uno for a bit. Right. What would be the motive? uh, Let's, let's first like say what we know. Okay. Mary Jo seemed to be leaving after getting into a big fight with her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the impression that her parents, and, and by the way, there's a big emphasis on shiny conservative America. Yeah. So I'm guessing she probably had, I mean, based on what we're reading about them, I get the impression that her parents were, um, uh, were probably pretty conservative themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so if Carrie Jo... And keep in mind, this is someone who is described as, as you know, being nerdy and, and introverted. And here she is going to see a, thir- uh, a screening of a couple of uh, uh, spooky movies, newer spooky movies in a, mid, a late night double feature. So that's just, that's just something cool about her character. Hmm. Hmm. 
let me see. I'm kind of I'm kind of scanning back through here. By the way, uh, is it weird that Maybell is talking about how Carrie Joe is such a beautiful woman, catching all the men's attention? Oh, I guess it is would make sense because they would not assume that she. Hmm. I'm not giving it a second read. I'm kind of just scanning through it. Yeah, same. Everyone listen to us silently reread the story we just read to you. <laughs> uh, but in post, future David will do one thing, and that is he will truncate the silences. It'll be great. Um, in fact, Ruth and I were at home that day. Carrie Jo was discovered missing. She cleaned her room while I cleaned the living room for, at the construction site. We don't know. So how come Ruth was never questioned? Um, said 17 and a minor, but yeah. Uh... This is a, this, uh, hmm. Let me, let me screwed up, scoot up here a little bit. Back to the, the thing about Ruth here. Um, photos of her fam- with her family and her best friend, Ruth. And now that implies that the, the fa- photos, they're different photos. Like not, it's not all of them all together, but there's also pictures of her with, with Ruth. Apparently she turned a lot of people's heads, but reading glasses, lipstick, a few pens. Yeah, there's there's some weird details that don't make a ton of sense. Like again, the, her shoes being left there, all her stuff being left there. I get the, I definitely think she was abducted. Yeah. But why without her shoes? Hmm. Who would know that she was in, in uh, Vila, and why? And why Chico? I mean, this is one of those things where I feel like, um, if, if the story, I, I, the the detail I'm really stuck on is the construction worker thing. Yeah. But I'm also wondering if maybe there was something Ruth's dad. You don't think she was in lesbians with Ruth, do you? <laughs> um, you know, that could be a possibility. I mean, um, it would be it'd be fitting if she had a big argument with her dad and, and left. And then, like, it would be especially bad if they were carrying on a relationship and uh, and Ruth's dad found out. Right. Just saying, there's a possibility for a motive, and that's flimsy. It's flimsy. I get that, but right. That's what I'm reading into the story right now. Yeah, I bet it was. Uh, I bet it was Frank Piles. Fuck that guy. Now, nah, fuck Frank Piles. <laughs> I mean, anybody in that theater could have lied. Yeah, especially Frank, though. Especially Frank Piles. Fuck that guy. Also, did 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 Sweet Carrie? Did she ever get to watch the Electronic Monster? We don't know exactly what point she was taken. Kind of suck yeah. if she got to see all of 13 ghosts, but then missed seeing the electronic monster. That would suck. To be fair, I haven't, she... I haven't seen it. So, But she bought that ticket to see them both. So she deserved to see both. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think at the end, we're going to have to let the mystery be because that's exactly what it is. But I, I dig the like, I dig like the creep, some of the cryptic details about like, especially when the, the, the skeleton is found, like how the dirt, her dress is apparently hung from her arms held above her head. Yeah. Like she was reaching up to try and push her way through the, like the concrete or something. Right. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes and a super, half. Super, super yikes. Like, well, I mean, my big, she died from suffocation. And I'm like, yeah, that's one of my big, like, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. One of my biggest, my biggest, biggest fears is being buried alive. Yeah. So like that gets me right in the heebus jeebus pretty significantly. So, 
So I feel like I know, I feel like I have a, I have a theory, but this, again, that's, that's that reaches pretty far, but I'm all for, uh, I'm all for uh, forbidden lesbians. So, <laughs> especially in the 19, uh, 1960s. There's like, I don't know, there's the possibility of forbidden lesbians. Like I've seen, I don't know if there's enough evidence to like prove that, but the other thing there's not enough evidence to prove is the one I'm about to get into, which is like uh, Carrie Joe maybe being pregnant with uh, Ruth dad's baby. <laughs> ooh, that's true too. Oh, that's also, ooh, that would be scandalous too. I think, I think that, cr- that crucial detail is what makes Ruth's dad suspect numero uno, but the motive could yeah. be, the motive is what's interesting and that could be a big part of it. Hmm. Hmm. We don't know where he works. I mean, they moved to Reading. I feel like I need to pull up a map of California. You know what? I think I'm, I think I'm going to leave it for the listeners to figure out too. What do you think happened to uh, yeah. Sweet Carrie Joe? What do you think, listener? Do you want to play along at home? <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. No, I can't steal that from them. From you, uh, yeah. Yeah, I won't do that. That's terrible. Um, this was, okay, uh, I guess we should get to our freshness ratings, but I'll just say right away, I really like this. And uh, I know- I like it a lot. Yeah, this is, this is cool. I like the format. I like that it's a blog post. There are 46 other blog posts from this blog I would like to read. I will bug Kayla to write all of them now. <sighs> I guess I also like your wife's bullshit story, David. <laughs> I guess you do. <laughs> My brain went back to Hulk Hogan for a second there for some reason. Yes. <laughs> My oh. wife, Hulk Hogan. Um, so, full, so full of sushi. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, let's give this, uh, let's go, why don't we give this our freshness ratings and uh, call it, uh, you know, call it a day. Um, okay. I will give this a, uh, on a scale of, on a scale of Hogan going up to Hulk Hogan now, I will give this uh, NWO Hollywood Hogan. Ooh, that's pretty generous, actually. Yeah. Uh, I will give this uh, two lost penny loafers out of 13 ghosts. Nice. Thank you. I thought that was pretty apt. Uh, if there was any like, feedback I would give, I kind of felt like I gave it already. Um, I don't feel like anything was like rushed or anything. The pacing was actually pretty good. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, the mystery is definitely intriguing. I love the little details. Maybe as, as like any first draft, there are little bits that can be, you know, touched up, cleaned up, mostly a couple of grammatical things, but they're really minor. Like the rest of this is like, it's, it's very solid. So uh, yeah. Thank you, Kayla, for submitting the story. And thank you all for joining us listening to the story. Thank you, Alan, for calling it bullshit <laughs> as you're supposed to, as you are want to do hey babe bro mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and uh, we will return to you in uh two weeks time to discuss the uh the winners of the um the writing challenge we posed back in october extended into november and uh com- finished compiling in december uh we want to make sure all of our judges have a chance to uh to read and rate the material um we got i think we got about nine submissions so you know pretty small pool to work with but very cool um do you want to take a stab at which two which uh two uh were the most popular of the prompts from uh, creepy cooking staff alan um 
having not read them yet, um, maybe the SCP entry. Mm-hmm. That's I, I only have the one guess. <laughs> okay. Um, I will. Do you, do you want me to say, or should we leave that a surprise? Uh, tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Okay. The the two the two most popular um, the two most popular prompts were actually Sweet Eddie and the two hundred forty dollar pudding ritual. <laughs> <laughs> well so that's we ha- good yeah <laughs> uh so we have a lot we have that to look forward to so uh keep your eyes or your eyes yes you listen with your eyes yes keep your eyes keep peeled your eyes po- peeled and your more things you can listen to coming soon in january coming soon to sesame street and also keep your eyes peeled for the skeletons and cannon we're going to aim at you yes be sure to check also, out we're going to peel your eyes <laughs> Oh, God, that made me cringe, actually. (laughs) Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinara, and this podcast is part of creativehorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at (laughs) creativehorror.com. (laughs) 